Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, where we bring awareness of sustainable health in a business hustle space. Natural Health Podcast is perfect for the high-performing, business-minded individuals who want to work with their biochemistry to achieve success and optimal health. It's Friday, which means it's time for friends sharing facts about health, business, and overall success. In today's episode, we talk to Angela Romero. Angela is an Ayurvedic practitioner and holistic health coach. She is your average mum with a million and one tasks in a day. Through Ayurveda, she has been able to find the calm in the chaos and go from overwhelmed to overjoyed. Angela has invested over 1,700 hours of learning and 250 hours of clinic clinicians to become certified as an Ayurvedic practitioner through Southern California University of Health Science. Angela's mission is to help all mums suffering daily overwhelm, stress, excess weight and fatigue to enjoy a superior life by incorporating easy, doable, ancient holistic practices into your daily life. What Angela absolutely loves doing is reading, learning, hiking, and absolutely anything to do with water. A fun, interesting fact about her is that she actually had a miracle baby who will be three in July. Despite all warnings and requests by the doctors to terminate, she chose life for her. And she's a healthy and happy little girl running around in their home with two teen boys, herself and her husband. What what her message there is, is to always listen to your heart and body over others' opinions of what they think should be done. Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, Angela. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed to be here. Wow, miracle baby. That's absolutely amazing. When I read that, I got goosebumps all over my body and I was like, this is absolutely beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, it is definitely amazing to listen to your own self and to go with that intuition within yourself versus what others' external sources are telling you. Um, or recommending for you. So it's very powerful, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. And she's turning three soon. Yes. Yeah, she'll be three in July. So, and she's definitely ruling this house, <laughs> running the house for sure. She was made to rule you guys around, wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely chose us and she's well beyond her years. She speaks so well and yeah. It's so beautiful. We have, we always get these people, these things that come into our life that teach us so many more lessons than any book could ever. Yeah, that is so true. It's so true. And patience too. It's it's very different. Cause again, I have a 16 year old and a 13 year old and to add in a new, you know, do it all over again at a different age stage of your life. It's, um, it's definitely different. And I'm a different person than I was when I raised my boys as well. So patience is a lot. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Well done. (laughs) That's absolutely amazing. Look, I wanted the audience, before we get into today's um, topic, which is absolutely exciting, I want the audience to get to know you a little bit more. And I wanted to find out what have been the key turning points in your journey to where you are today? Um, Well, I had always wanted to help others. I'd always been aspired to like drawn to the holistic health practices and schooling just seemed far too out of reach for me and something that just wasn't practical and um, I woke up one day and I remember thinking like what is happening where like what am I I'm not I'm not helping anybody and not only am I not helping anybody I'm overwhelmed I'm stressed I was overweight I was dealing with anxiety and it was just a lot was going on in my life and so I was frustrated and then um, I remember sitting there at a at a 
um, I, I was volunteer at the, um, a horse ranch right here in Chino Hills. I volunteered there for my time. I made very little money and I, they required me to be there on a Saturday and I had to be there one day and my son was playing a football game. And I remember thinking like, what am I doing? I'm missing my family to be here in a volunteer position. And I, I, at that moment, I just had a virtual breakdown and I spoke to God and I said, um, like a real intent, intentive conversation. And I said, God, I'm here. Um, what do you want from me? I'll follow any path you have chosen for me. I'll just look, like keep my out for the signs. I'm not going to try to do what I want to do. I just will be a servant of whatever you have laid out for my path for me. And um, I swear from that moment on, it's been a roller coaster. That was in 2016, about 10 minutes after I had my conversation. Uh, you know, the computer's always listening to you. <laughs> and um, a po thing popped up for our Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And I clicked on it. I called. And I signed up without even speaking to my husband. And since then, it's just been a door open one after another after another. And I'm still on this journey of doors constantly opening up. And I believe the universe is speaking to me. And I just, I'm a believer in, the, there's a path. We all have a path and a destination. And I'm just allowing the universe and God and the higher powers to just utilize me for whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing at this time. So that was a turning point for me was just my lowest point, finding that I'm realizing that I'm not helping people and um, knowing that I wanted to. And not only was I not helping people, I was lost myself. So since then, I have become an Ayurveda practitioner, a holistic health coach, a Pilates instructor, a Reiki practitioner. So I don't know if I'm on a mission to get endless certifications, but I'm just on this journey to know, um, know as much as I possibly can and um, I think it's an endless journey for sure, but a very exciting and um, it's a very passionate one. So yeah, that wow. was a turning point I, for I me. Think, <laughs> I think it takes a lot for an individual to do what you do and say, look, here I am. I'm, I'm happy to serve. Let me know how. That, that in itself is a huge achievement because that takes a lot of unknown, you know, f the fear of the unknown. Like, I'm here, but I don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> and and you went and you clicked on that banner and then you ended up learning Ayurveda medicine. Like, how amazing is that? Yeah, yeah. And it's all um, perfect timing, like divine timing, I promise. it. Everything happens at exactly the right moment in time when it's supposed to happen. And when you stay open to it, it it's true. Like it, nothing overpowers you or overwhelms you and or you learn when to say no. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely beautiful. <laughs> yeah, amazing. amazing. So you've never actually, so you know, there's people that like, you know, they wake up when they're like five years old and they're like, I'm going to be a healthcare professional. So that didn't happen. That happened later on in your life uh, when you, when you surrendered in a way, is that right? Correct. Yeah. When I was younger, I actually thought I would be, I, I kind of just wanted to be a mom and I, I wanted to be a veterinarian and then I wanted to be, you know, all these things, but um, definitely it clicked later on in life for sure. And I think when I was younger in my twenties, I thought the thought of going to school for seven years or four or five years was just like, Oh, that's crazy. And now to me, the thought of going to school for seven years or 10 years is, is not nothing. It's like, what's 10 years or what's five years. It's, it's a blink of an eye and it goes by like that. And then next thing you know, you're certified next thing you know, you're, you're the, um, the go-to person, the most knowledgeable person, you know, the professional in that, um, whatever area it may be. So 
Yeah, I love that. I love the attitude yeah. <laughs> of what's. I always say I'm 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 a student for life. Uh, always always yeah. studying, always learning. You never stop when you're when we when you're dealing with humans. I don't think you ever ever stop because we're always evolving. We're always changing. There's always new things that we find out. So it's so exciting. Yeah, you know, I say it's about the evolution and not the destination. Um, I don't think believe there is ever a destination. It's just always an evolution to I greater. Love that. That's a, that's a really great yeah. saying. I love that. I'm going to take that on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he, here on a podcast, we talk a lot about success and how it, you know, it's different. It means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, what would success look like for Angela right now? Um, for me, success is to actually, it's more about others and empowering others to reignite the fire inside of them to fulfill their passions, their desires, their dreams, their inner, whatever brings, reignites that fire inside. I spoke, focus on moms um, and a lot of times working moms and oftentimes as women age or have children and or jobs, they lose themselves within that because we're such givers and nurturers that it always ends up being about other people and not about ourselves. And somehow we lose ourselves within that. So for me, um, that is, is this what success looks like is to ignite the fire in other women's lives to find themselves in their passion and their greatness of what they are. And not only that to ignite their fire, but have their spark spark someone else. And then another and another, and just create a ripple effect of all women empowering other women or men or kids or whomever, just humans in general to just make a better life for those that are around us, surrounding us and, um, we call it a ripple effect. So I am, they call it the ripple effect. And I'm sure you've heard of it. You know, this one spark can light a million candles. So <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's success for you, you know, igniting other people's flames, fires inside of them to, you know, to get the best version of themselves. That's, that's absolutely beautiful. And I guess, you know, throughout the years, you've definitely done that uh, with individuals and especially with moms, like you said. So there's some lucky moms out there that have had the opportunity to work <laughs> with you and mo- and women to work with you that you've assisted them to ignite their fire. That That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I love when, I love when people's success means, you know, other people's success. I think that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, within helping others, you end up helping yourself because they always say the more you give, the more you receive. And it's so true. I, I mean, when you actually stop to give in a, in a different manner, because I know as women, we're always giving to others. That's one thing you have to give to yourself too, and honor yourself and, you know, do self time and self care and things like that. But when you are helping others, it helps to fulfill your own soul too. Yeah, 100%. It's that give and take, isn't it? It's also the giving, but also the taking. And there has to be a balance. And and you don't want that stopping mm-hmm. with you. You want it to keep going. <laughs> I love correct, that. I love correct. That. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So let's <laughs> talk about today's topic, which I'm so excited about, uh, you know, dealing with uh, stress through ancient holistic practices for a superior life. Let's start off th- discussing stress, right? We've had many individuals come on this podcast and talk about stress. But we haven't had an individual come and talk about stress in an Ayurvedic medicine view. So I wanted to find out what, how, how is stress seen in the Ayurvedic medicine view? Well, um, Ayurveda, first of all, do your followers know the, the meaning and the context behind Ayurveda? Let's, let's go into it. 
<laughs> so just really quickly, um, Ayurveda is about 5,000 to 6,000 years old. And that's just as far as the Vedas or the books um, have been documented. And Ayurveda is comprised of two words, Ayur, which means life, and Veda, which means knowledge or science. So it breaks down to the science or knowledge of life. Um, and it's so beautiful and so deep. <laughs> just like humans, we're all very simple but not one human is identical. We're all different. So it's very individualized to each person, which is amazing. So that's kind of just a general sum of, of Ayurveda. Um, and Ayurveda, actually, they view stress a disturbance on the nervous system, which is mainly regulated by the vata dosha. So there's three doshas. There's a vata, a pitta, and a kapha. Um, vata is mostly like space and air. So the vata person would be very distracted or they'd suffer from anxiety or overwhelm. And the pitta person is governed by fire and water, but mostly a fire person. So they can get very irritated and agitated and be slightly aggressive, short tempered. And, um, the kapha person is governed mostly by earth. So they're very grounded, but they're also very like, meh like they don't care as much so they can be very have a tendency to um not stress a tendency to depression or be reclusive or kind of like go within themselves and take in everybody else's stress and things but never let it out so um it's governed by the vata dosha which is the dosha of movement the other doshas don't move without the vata dosha so and further, Ayurveda realizes that stress is the root cause of several diseases. Stress is closely related to the three vital energies or doshas in our body, the vata, pitta, and kapha. The amount of negative stress depends on the proper balance of these doshas. To maintain good health and positive amounts of stress, it's important to fine-tune these doshas to be perfect balance. Moreover, every person has one of these dominant doshas in them that defines their personality. So these doshas are key to understanding the triggers behind your stress and adopt the right stress management skills to fight them. So it's kind of just a little bit <laughs> summed up. Yeah. Wow. So I love how you gave us a little bit of a background of Ayurveda because a lot of people don't really understand. I mean, most people think about Ayurveda, they think of uh, Indian medicine, right? Mm -hmm. So, so is it, is it the, is, did you say that those books that they were written and, and this was written, is this what the um, Ayurveda is? So Ayurveda is, it was actually created from the sages and long before. So this is, again, the 5,000 years is only as far as the Vedas or the knowledge was documented. Okay, yes. Prior prior to that, it wasn't documented. It was trans, it was gone from one person to the next or one sage or one god to the next person um, or Vaidya. So one Ayurvedic doctor to the next, just by knowledge, because they were so smart, they could recollect it. But as we evolved, we got dumbed down and they were no longer to remember as much as they once could. And so that's when they had to finally start writing things down. Um, so that's when, that's where that came from. Yeah. Wow. So it's really old traditional medicine that's been passed on through the years for us now to be able to incorporate it into our life and see how it, how it can assist us. And I love that you've taken that on. And then there's the three doshas and I love that. And they affect stress differently. Um, with the three doshas, does that, I wanted to ask a question before we go further, you said that there's a dominant one. 
um, usually. Mm -hmm. So does that mean, for example, if someone's vata, they're only vata or they can be a little bit of this and a little bit of that, um, Mm. or they could be all three or like one day they can be this, one year they can be that. Can things change? Is it flowing? Is it evolving? Okay, so definitely at the very moment um, a human becomes a zygote, so the moment they've been created in the mother's womb, as I, as I, you know, when the energy between the father and the mother, whether it's pitta or kapha or vata, whatever that energy is, creates your um, prakriti. That's your constitution. Your constitution is whether you're more pitta or vata or kapha. So that's what you are for your entire life. Now, when you're born, you're born with your prakriti. As we age and as life happens and as um, we get influenced by other people where they try to govern us and say, do this, don't do that, you know, and they train us to the way the expectations of what the world is now, we start to change and we become, we develop what's called a vrikriti, and that's an imbalanced state. So if my natural state is... um, a vata then and I become imbalanced with pitta then I can start to feel like acid reflux or heartburn or get really pissed off at somebody so we every single person has all three doshas within us but one is more dominant than the other and as you age to become an imbalanced state an opposite one that wouldn't be your natural one becomes an imbalance. Like many women um, become kapha imbalance, like through thyroid issues or overweight or hormonal issues, things like that. So that's one of the, um, or men are more prone to pitta issues where they get the heartburn or the IBS or the acid reflux. And they're always like, Wow, that, that's such a good explanation. I love, I love that explanation because there is a lot of confusion out there in regards to, you know, the 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 doshas like you mentioned. But I love that you explained it to to being back in the womb, like that's the predestined one for you. And then if things go mm-hmm. out of balance, you can kind of see it same similar uh, to genes. That's your genes, and then lifestyle affects it, and that's where the lifestyle affects the pitas, you know, uh, sorry, the doshas also, which is. That's, mm-hmm. that's so interesting. And then, and then you've even gone further and matched the doshas to other health issues, which is so interesting. Yeah, it's it's all very simple and complex at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, looking at it, you know, with, with the issues that you said, the health issues, I wanted to know, is there a certain dosha that is more prone to stress or the effects of stress that impact them a lot more? Right. Um, so all doshas are actually prone to stress and then can, it can affect each one differently. There's one dosha in particular that causes havoc and the most stress on the body. And that is definitely the vata dosha. So vata dosha is known as the king of all doshas and the king of movement. So it moves everything without it. The other doshas, pitta and um, kapha, they just don't move. They stay stagnant. Um, so vata has natural qualities such as being cold, light, subtle, and erratic, and it's easily disturbed by too much sensory stimulation, too much food, too much time pressure, and too much to do and no structure. So essentially just doing anything at will. They need to have like more structure and kind of a set routine. Yeah. So that's kind of but, what happened. There. It's so interesting that, you know, you said that it's easily disturbed by 
sensory stimulation and things like that. And we all know that when someone is overly stressed out, anything just irritates them when there's a little bit noise, more noise, when there's a little bit more of that, they just get kind of irritated. So you, so you said that all doshas are affected by stress, but it affects them differently. Um, and then, and then, and then the vata dosha, it affects it, I guess, more, uh, in more depth. Is that right? Yeah, well, the vata, because the vata is the, um, the king of movement. Mm. So if your food, for example, if you intake in your food and it goes down and the vata isn't working properly or your digestion isn't working properly, things can come back up. So vata isn't going in the proper direction, which should be downward direction. So the vata is disturbing it to bring it back up because pitta is stagnant in the stomach and it's causing an eruption. So, or the kapha, for example, it's getting a backup in your intestines um, or even in your liver, which is causing the vata. So without vata, it definitely goes up. But it um, each dosha does get affected differently and has different qualities. So like, um, I don't know if you want me to go into it, but like stress in a yeah. vata person, it comes out in anxiety. They can experience heart palpitations and overwhelm. A vata dominant person undergoes stress and more feels more, more feels to blame. Um, like I shouldn't have done this or why did I do that? So that's a Vata person. Stress in a Pitta dominant person comes out as irritation. They get frustrated and agitated and angered. They might find themselves yelling or saying things that they normally wouldn't at somebody. And then a Kapha person um, under stress, they normally regress and become reclusive, like I said before. So they'll most likely go into a funk or depression. And the Kapha dominant person is likely to express their feelings um, they don't express their feelings under stress. And so they just be quiet and take in whatever, um, whatever tongue lashing is coming at them. And they often just may feel emotionless or unmotivated to do anything at all. So that's kind of what what the three of them are. Yeah. I love your explanation of how stress would impact those three different doshas. And I can imagine uh, the audience being like, Ooh, that one's me or that one's me. You know, they can definitely relate (laughs) to one more than the other, I guess. But I guess the question that I would have is how would someone, would they have to go see a practitioner like yourself to determine their their dominant vata or their imbalanced vata? How would someone actually figure that out? Um, well, we, as practitioners, there's a couple of things is that people can do out there right now. You can take a dosha quiz. Um, I have it on my website. Or you can just Google a dosha quiz. You can go to Banyan. There's lots of locations where you can get a dosha quiz from to tell you what your most dominant is and then based off of how you feel you can kind of like see um or when you go to a practitioner we do a couple different things we look at the tongue and there's a the tongue is like a dictionary to the person it tells so much and we also do a pulse reading and not like a western or a regular classic pulse reading um this one we use the three fingers and this is a vata finger a pitta and a kapha finger and when I place it on the um, the pulse of the patient, whatever is more dominant, the pulse which under which finger, that can tell me. And also, the deeper we press, so if I place my three fingers on a person's pulse near the wrist, and I press really deep to where I don't feel the pulse any longer, and I slowly release, the one that and hits me first would tell me the person's prakriti or their constitution and that also tells me how deep um 
the imbalanced dosha is. I know it's kind of deep right now, but it, it can tell me exactly almost where the imbalance is happening within the person based off of the thickness or the thinness of the pulse and where it's located. It's so incredible. <laughs> I love that. I, I have um, had an individual do that before, not an Ayurvedic individual, but uh, yeah, another healthcare professional. And it's interesting that they do the same thing with the three fingers and they check and they're like, oh, yep, this one's slipping, that one's done. I'm like, what does that all mean? Like, <laughs> so it's interesting that you were explaining it and I love that. And and it's, it's definitely an ancient art form. You don't have to attach a, a, a machine. You don't have to do this blood test. You don't have to do that. You look at the individual, you look at their face, you'll be able to see, okay, mainly, uh, this is from my understanding, most doshas have these characteristics um, or that characteristics or their tongues like this or, you know, their pulses like this. So I love that, that you can go to a practitioner like that and without having to do any tests like that, they just look at you, do the pulse and they're like, yep, this is what's up. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And we also can tell what's um, dosha is out of balance based off of what specifically is they're telling us is happening to them. Um, like I had a client recently and she's experiencing a lot of constipation. So constipation would tell me that her vata is extremely out of balance because she's very dried out. So she needs to nourish more with a kapha foods or more nurturing warm foods. So maybe less chips, less popcorn, things like that. So it's, it's based off of what they tell me also, in addition to the pulse and things, that's how a practitioner could tell. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm going to definitely put a link under the show notes to your website too, for people if they want to check their own doshas, which I think people might find interesting <laughs> after listening, <laughs> after listening to this podcast too, they'll be like, I wonder how I deal with stress if that's how my dosha is. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's the more that people know about their dosha and about like Ayurveda, it is the science of life after all, the more they can not only understand themselves, but understand others. And when, when someone's acting out or when someone goes into a, a deep funk or when they're experiencing anxiety, they can understand and, and be there for that person in a different way and support them differently than, than they would normally. Yeah, and you can emphasize in a way too and be like, okay, this is how you deal with these situations. Just because I deal with them this way doesn't mean you're going to deal with them too. <laughs> right. And imagine what this could do for kids if kids only knew about this. I don't specialize in kids, um, but man, maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I mean, going back to, you know, like teenagers or something like that, if I knew half the stuff that I know now, how I react to things or what my – uh, a base reaction is or what I need for self-love and something poor things like not that I regret anything but you know like wow things would be so different wouldn't they it's, it's crazy so passing that information to teenagers or like people in their mid-20s absolutely miraculous yeah Oh, a thousand percent. Definitely. I yeah. agree. <laughs> Especially when, when individuals have their first breakup or something like that. That's when it's like the end of the world, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't we know it? Oh, and, and, and see, and that goes back to the person too. So a Vata person, she'd be like, oh, what did I do? I can't believe I did this. And she'd put it all in herself. And the Pitta person would be like, ah, screw that person. You know, they didn't deserve me. They're just very like mad. And, and then the Kafod person would just be like, man, and they would just like, just cry and just eat the ice cream <laughs> that there you go <laughs> that's so interesting i love it absolutely love it got a little bit of an example how you would react to a breakup <laughs> yeah so look most most of the stressed out individuals are also overwhelmed so stress and overwhelm go absolutely hand in hand mm -hmm. but how does this affect the person's overall health 
Um, so overwhelmed individuals are actually constantly under stress, um, always on the go. Um, one may feel an influx of anxiety, then rage, and then head into a deep depression. So it's kind of all three. They get a whirlwind of all the doshas as if stuck in a tornado and like really no clear way to escape it. Uh, when under constant stress or feeling of overwhelm, it's also putting a lot of stress on our internal organs um, and hampering our immune system. So that opens up the gates to all kinds of diseases and not just diseases. It's also accelerating age, um, as oddly as that sounds, because if your organs are working quickly, you're accelerating your aging process um, that much quicker. And so we know as women, we're always trying to in Ayurveda, we call it a rasayana, rejuvenate or age gracefully. Um, it, it, with overwhelm, it definitely cannot achieve that with the overwhelm. So, yeah, it's so need to rid the overwhelm. Yeah, it's like anti-aging. What's the best anti-aging things? Do not be overwhelmed. Do not be stressed out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just zen it out. <laughs> yeah. Just go in the mountain somewhere. Zen it out. <laughs> Exclude yourself. From yeah. The, but we know we can't do that. So. <laughs> yeah. But, exactly, but it's, we it's, can. it's interesting that you said that when people are overwhelmed, yes, they are stressed too, okay? But that it actually increases all of our organs. That, that's a very interesting aspect right there. So, you know, like you said, when we're stressed, our heart rate goes up, which activates that more. Um, you know, all our brains functioning more activates that more. And that, and that would mean more aging or faster aging, not so gracefully. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's definitely true. And so that's what I mostly specialize in is ridding the daily overwhelm for women or overwhelmed moms just to find a balance and find like that calm and the chaos and just kind of find themselves and their sense of peace. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of people who are overwhelmed don't even know what that means. You, they'll be like, "What? You're just talking gibberish to me." I don't even know what that peace yeah. means. I don't. Even, I don't even remember the last time I had peace. And you can link this too if you know people, even moms who you know have a business or people who have a business and are just running it and they're just in their head and they're just working, 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 working. They're overwhelmed like crazy, and then of course their doshas are going to be out of balance. Yeah. Yeah. And you're correct. A lot of women don't know that they're overwhelmed and or stressed and or dealing with anxiety or it's weird because you just kind of go, we just go, we go and we do, we go and we do every day. And most women are so focused on their looks and their weight um, externally that they don't really stop to look internal and see how they actually feel or what's happening on the inside, they're just going. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh. Just, what I've just got an image is of, you know, an individual looking at themselves in the mirror every morning. Physically, you look at yourself, you're like, okay, cool. But do we every morning look at ourselves internally? Do we have a mirror internally? Like, hey, how are we going today? How are we feeling today? How's the inside going? That's such a great point. Imagine that. You've got the physical mirror, but then you also need, the, you know, the spiritual, the inside mirror. Yes, exactly. If only we could actually have that and to see what's really yeah. happening inside. But I think that's where meditation comes into play a lot when you really go in tune with what's happening in your body and really starting to pay attention to what's what is going on with your body. I mean, I'll tell you, honestly, truthfully, when I started the Ayurveda journey, other than like, oh, dealing very overwhelmed life myself and, you know, the external things, I didn't realize it how much I actually had going on. And now I'm like, every little thing, I'm like, oh, 
I, I can't be doing that. Or, you know, like any, every little thing I notice how it affects me. Whereas before I'd be like, um, I, I don't feel good after food. And, and I just kind of go about my day. And now it's like, Oh, what did I have? Okay. I'm not going to have that next time. You know, you just slightly start to pay attention to things a little bit more. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. <laughs> so, Cause when you're so overwhelmed, when you've got so many things on, you don't even think you have time for yourself to think, Oh, what did I do? Well, how did I think? What did I eat? It's kind of like, Oh, I don't deserve that time. Something or someone else deserves that time. Isn't it? It's always running around in our heads like that. Yeah. Running around the chicken. Yeah. With the head cut off. That's why I felt. Yeah. Always, always. <laughs> going and running. Yeah. And there's so many people that can relate to that. They can relate to that and they can be like, you want me to look at inside of myself? You want me to meditate? I don't even have time to breathe. And those are the words that come out of so many people. So you may, Hayley, you want me to do this? You want me to do that? I don't even have time to even wake up. I don't even have energy to sip on my coffee, which I know is, which I know is going to wake me up. <laughs> That is so true because women, they're like, how am I supposed to find time to fit this in? You know, because in Ayurveda, we have a, a dinatadia, which is a daily routine. And they're like, ah. And so we just, I implement one thing at a time, just little, just just follow, just drink warm water, you know, little, little practices. So I do a little bit and then they accomplish in the next thing. So it's one at a time, not to overwhelm them even further, to actually bring balance and not to, you know, bring them out of balance. Yeah, I love so there's that. There's a balance in that. <laughs> There's a balance in there, isn't it? So what, what does it mean to support you? Ag- Agni. I hope I pronounced that right. Agni, Agni. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and how does it help an individual who's stressed out? Um, okay, well, so Agni um, in Sanskrit, it actually translates to fire. So Agni is the fire. And in our bodies, the fire is in our gut. So it's our digestive fire. Without a well-lit, kindled fire, the foot... So picture a fire at a campsite. If you're cooking a fire and you wanted to put a bowl or cook some rice or noodles or whatever you're cooking, and then you you go and take an ice-cold water and you put it on the fire, you're, you're not going to be cooking that food any longer. It's just going to be kind of sitting there slowly slowly cooking i guess perhaps so you want to keep that fire nice and hot so you're cooking that food optimally that's the exact same as it is inside of our bodies so if the digestive if our agni or fire inside of our digestive system is constantly putting out because we're intaking ice cold water because that's what we're accustomed to then we're constantly putting our fire out and our body has to rekindle the fire to then try to cook the food and most of us women when we're trying to lose weight or live a healthier lifestyle we gravitate to salads or raw foods or cold foods and your body has to then reek into the fire then it has to cook the food to then try to digest the food to assimilate the food to eliminate the food so we want to cut all of those out it's a lot right i could see it in your face (laughs) so we want to cut that out um as far as the keeping our agni nice and warm and kindled. So when we intake food, um, idealistically something that's already softly cooked and warming foods or greens, you know, good, healthy, nurturing grains, greens, carbs. And so when it hits our digestive system, it can assimilate it properly and put the nutrients where they need to go. And then also properly eliminate it. So you have a good elimination process with a not good kindled Agni or fire. Not only are you not properly digesting, assimilating and eliminating, you're actually creating what's caused is Ama and Ama in Sanskrit is undigested food 
or toxins. And toxins are going to find themselves in a weak spot in your body and kind of attack it. They'll accumulate there. And next thing you know, you'll attack it and you'll get rheumatoid arthritis or gout, or you'll experience again, the Hashimoto's or celiac disease. And I mean, I'm sure anybody listening to this knows it's increasing with it amongst their friends or family, all these diseases that we're seeing coming up on a rise, not just in cancer, but there's many of them. So it's, it can definitely cause havoc with improper agony. So in Ayurveda, we focus a lot on the agony. Hence you'll see people do things like pickled ginger, which is um, nothing other than ginger with lime and rock salt prior to a meal, like in sushi, if you go to sushi, they give you the ginger first, that's specifically to get your, it's kindling your fire. It's saying, Hey guys, let's prep you. There's going to be food coming in. And it's like, all right, let's do this. You know, it gets nice and hot (laughs) for when the food comes in. So it's ready. And then we just sip a little bit of water to keep it going. So I love, I love that explanation of the fire that you said, and especially cooking it over the, the, you know, the fire, the cooking, the rice and all that. I love that because we, we don't really give much attention to our digestion, our, you know, what has to happen. We just think, oh, we're just putting this stuff in and it should do the job. i got nothing else to do with it. No, no, no. You have so much to do with it at the start of you putting the food in your mouth. And I guess individuals who are stressed out, um, I think that wouldn't assist their fire is eating on a run, eating quickly while being stressed mm. out, eating in the car, eating whilst people are getting ready or things are getting ready or just eating and then their kids eat and things like that. So I guess that would definitely not help their fire because you're not preparing it. Like you said, sitting down, having that ginger, prepping your body, even doing a few deep breaths and being like, hey, food's coming down. Are you ready? <laughs> like imagine if we all just sat there and said, hey, you ready? Food's coming. Like, <laughs> Yes, definitely. And not only that, um, also the five senses. So the when you smell food, it prepares your salivary glands to get the digestive enzymes to intake food. When you touch the food, it also prepares your digestive. It's when you see the food, it mentally gets you like you get that grumble in your stomach. So it all, it all has a part to do with it. It's, you know, and that's why a lot of times you'll see people eating with their hands versus with a fork and a knife because there's a reason behind it. It's just gives that, that little extra connection. And then in addition, you're right. Um, not watching TV or not reading or doing other things, looking at the food and saying thanks to the food and intaking it yourself. And even further, when you cook food yourself, or when a family member or somebody you know cooks the food, the love that goes into the food, you're intaking that love and compassion versus when you go out to eat and somebody who knows they could be really pitta and grumpy and mad and they killed this grumpy cow and, you know, however, he had an awful death and then you're intaking it thinking no big deal and then you're grumpy and aggravated the next day. Well, that is definitely directly associated to what you just consumed. A hundred percent. I'm so glad you say that. And I'm similar like that with coffee. Like when I go and if I see the bar- bar- the person that's making the coffee being really rushed out or grumpy, I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to the next cafe. Or if they're like happy, like, hello. And I'm like, hello, how are you? And then I make the coffee. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best coffee ever. But it might be the same coffee, the same water, the same milk. It's just a different person making it. And it's interesting how the energy goes into it. And the same with food. Like the food my mum makes, my gosh, like no one can ever make that. The same recipe, like I'll try and make it. It's not the same. 
and, and, and eating with their hands. I love that you mentioned that. And there's so many traditions and so many cultures that eat with their hands. And I try as much as I can to eat with my hands. And it just, it makes things yummier. Like it's so much more <laughs> exciting and, and yummier. And, you know, you can understand why kids do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you look like, I mean, the Mex like in a Mexican culture, they have the tortilla or there's always, there's something that they use as a tool to yeah. grab even like the soupier foods. So that way they can get more. They're not just like sticking their hands in the soup. It's like absorbing <laughs> it through something. <laughs> so I, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's all so deep and beautiful. Yeah. It's all interlinked. I love that. So talking about someone who's stressed out, right. Um, uh-huh. What is an aerobic diet and how does it assist someone who's stressed out? So I guess someone who's not so stressed out, someone who's stressed out, you kind of would give them a different diet based on their fire in their stomach. Yes, definitely. Exactly. A thousand percent. Um, but diets can differ from one person to the next. In Ayurveda, we treat the whole person, not just the imbalance of a dosha. So we take into account the person's past history, their family history, their current diet and lifestyle practices, um, whatever medication they're on, and even a couple other factors. There are a few good rules of thumb would be to drink warm water instead of ice cold water um, throughout the day. Start your day with a water or warm water before you add coffee or tea or anything like that. Um, and the first thing that I am before you, anything hits your system, yeah, drink the water. And then you could always add in ginger with that water too, again, to get the digestive, just to let your body know, hey, let's, we're going to start our day now. Minimize cold, raw, dry foods. Always try to think about slightly cooking your foods. Um, and then I think we went over a couple of them right now too, where, you know, trying to cook at home as much as possible, sitting down, thinking about the food, thinking about chewing it and swallowing it. So these are things in general uh, that a person can take with them but definitely every single individual diet is custom to the person individually someone is probably telling themselves right now how am i going to customize my diet when i have a whole family to cook for i can't customize six different meals right the way in ayurveda we do that is through the spices so someone who is experiencing a lot of heartburn or acid reflux or a pitta imbalanced person, you would put more cooling um, like coriander or fennel into their diet or um, cook with like a, give them a little bit of um, coconut oil. Whereas the person who's a vata would have more sesame oil or warming oil. They'd have more ghee in their body, um, digestive system, and they would have more nurturing herbs. So it just is all comes down to the spices. And so in my home, again, I've got three kids and a husband and, my husband's Mexican and they, so I have, everybody has their little spice jars and we just use spices that way. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Everyone's got their own little different spice jars. That's amazing. <laughs> and then if they get mixed up, there goes the doshas mixed up. <laughs> well, the, it's not <laughs> it that dramatic, but yeah, they're like, oh my gosh, I had the vata. I'm out of yeah. <laughs> I accidentally had the pitta. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> that is hilarious. I love that. That's, that's definitely because you're right. Um, individuals, most individuals don't just cook for themselves. They cook for you know family or friends or anything along those lines and yeah definitely an amazing way to customize the same meal yeah yeah definitely so you can just customize it to um just through the spices for sure but there's a lot of good rules of thumb like a ginger is good for in general lime is good so warm water yeah it's good we do a lot of um yeah 
Nice. I just, grew, I just grew my own ginger um, and it's harvest season, turmeric and ginger. So it's harvest season for them soon. So I'm excited to make myself a ginger tea and that ginger before the, 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 the food. I think it's absolutely amazing and definitely helps with digestion. Yeah. And as far as the ginger goes, too, you can um, peel it and then slice it into little slices and keep it in a little mini mason jar squeeze it with lime enough lime to cover it and then yeah. put some rock salt on it and that we always have it ready you don't have to prepare it every time before a meal True. if you were the type to prepare before a meal you would cook the or prepare the ginger before you start cooking and then set it aside so right before you eat your food you would consume the ginger so it's had a little bit of time to be pickled within the lime yeah wow that's that's absolutely interesting i love that i love these little traditional health hacks absolutely amazing i know we've <laughs> spoken about a few i know you've given us so many little health hacks already but i wanted to know are there any other ancient holistic practices the audience can incorporate into their life to achieve a optimal superior life definitely definitely there's so much but um same as the above but in addition to um have your largest meal when the sun is highest in the sky. So that'd be between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. And if you're a meat eater, that's when I'd recommend eating your meat. Enjoy a lighter dinner no later than 7 p.m. or at least three hours prior to um, hitting the sack at night. Practice self-love techniques such as a daily abhyanga, which is a self-anointed um, body massage. Um, you can simply use sesame oil or coconut oil. And then to do that, you would rub over the joints of circular motion and long over the shafts of the joints. And then you can also do pranayama, which is breathing practices. And a good one for that would be like a Nadi Shodhana, where it hits both sides of the brain, the temporal lobes. And so it kind of helps to balance your body out. And then the last one would be um, carrot essential of your favorite flower, scent, or rose um, of scent, which like could be a rose or a jasmine or lavender or chamomile just to relax or, or stimulate your mind. Um, if you want to stimulate it, you could use something like mint or eucalyptus. And then you could also switch it up by incorporating herbal teas into your day instead of drinking just water throughout the whole day. A good herbal tea that's a great tridoshic, tridoshic is, is to balance all three doshas, would be a cumin, coriander, fennel tea. It's We call it CCFT. And so the, the tea is nothing other than tea. And so it's cumin, coriander, and fennel. A lot, most people probably have it in their kitchen already. It's probably been there for a while. So you can use that. You would just mix all three in equal portions and then use a teaspoon of that anywhere between eight ounces to 20 ounces of water and sip it throughout the day. You can steep it in the, if you want to boil it, you would simmer it for three minutes. Or if you want to steep it, you would steep it five to 10 minutes. Um, some people even do what we call the HEMA. And that's a cold infusion where they set the seeds in water, like in a mason jar at night and leave it to the morning and then strain it and then drink the water throughout the day. So that way you're not just consuming plain water all day long. So those are a couple tidbits. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. There's so many, the times of, I love the thought about eating when the sun is the highest. That's absolutely amazing. And, and I think that goes back to a lot of cultures, like, you know, the Italians, you go back to them, the Indians, they have their biggest meals at lunchtime. And it's like, wow, it goes back to such an ancient history as to why that should be 
um, done then. And then you gave us some breathing techniques. You gave us a tea a recipe. My gosh, this episode is filled, filled with little tricks and tips to balance your doshas and, and not get so overwhelmed and so stressed out. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for providing us so much knowledge. But to finish off, I ask all my guests, as this is the Natural Health Podcast, what is your best cap natural health hack? And that might be something that you do to optimize your health every day, every week, or once a year. But what would that be, Angela? Uh, well, what I can recommend most is just keep on going, um, finding whatever routines, foods, and patterns that work for you personally, specifically. Um, I also keep tea bags in my purse for me personally. So <laughs> tea that. has so many, <laughs> so many health benefits. Um, so. That, that's pretty much what I recommend. And like I say, it's an evolution, not a destination. So we're, it's always a process and just add in what you can. So that's, that's pretty much the best of what I can say. Um, just do what you can when you can and just consistently keep on going and trying to improve and finding little, little hacks that fit to your life. Yeah, I love that. And there's so many little health hacks that you can take away from this episode. And I hope that you do. And I'm going to put all of your information in the show notes below. But if someone wants to work with you or get in touch with you, what is the best way and what have you got for the audience to offer? Um, well, I actually have a free book, a free ebook that they can download. And it's um, Stress Relief for a Superior Life. And I also have Anxiety Relief for a Superior Life download. So they can download both of those for free through my website or they can email me directly at AngelaAyurveda um, at gmail.com. And then I also, if anyone would like a e-health consultation, because I do um, like virtual telehealth right now, so I can do 40% off of a telehealth consultation. So for an hour and a half, it's consultation it's normally 222 at 40%. I believe it's like 130. I'm not the best. I didn't write it down. <laughs> but um, so that includes an hour and a half of a consultation. And from that, the takeaway, they'll get a customized protocol, which includes their diet and lifestyle, when to eat, what to eat, um, even includes recipes. It even goes into details like the best time, optimal time to go to bed, optimal time for them to get up and a daily routine of what they would look like. But more importantly than that, it gives them key points, key focal points to do like easy, doable daily action tasks to not be overwhelmed by the whole protocol to just implement one at a time and slowly consistently doing them because a protocol can be overwhelming. It includes yoga for the person. It includes essential oils that are beneficial for them, vitamins that are beneficial for them and nutrients and um, smells and just a lot. So somebody can get by looking at it like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. But I definitely recommend and I walk, I coach my clients through to take it slow and just keep it there. Like just put it aside and look at it when you have time, look at it when you feel when it's called to you to add in something, to not look at it and say, okay, I've got to do this all right now. It doesn't have to be all right now or nothing. It's an evolution just slowly go just take it as you can you know i love that so I love that's, that. that's I what i've got yeah take away <laughs> it's an evolution and then you're able to offer that absolutely amazing service to them and what a blessing that we're able to get 40 off that is absolutely huge 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 so thank you so much and i'll definitely put that in the show notes and i hope that the audience 
do take you up on that and they're able to you know change their life from being overwhelmed and stressed into having that superior life and living the life that they deserve and want to actually live so i absolutely love that angela definitely thank you thank you so much for joining us on the natural health podcast i really really appreciate it thank you so much as well um i do also i wanted to, to throw it in i forgot I, the, there's a code it's called natural health so that way i know it's just where where so that way they can honor the 40 percent, so they'll use the natural health at checkout but i also offer free um 15 minute telehealth consultations so if someone's interested and they're like oh i really would like to see what she says but they'll you know maybe who knows um i do offer free 15 minutes just to give them a little bit a little insight and see if maybe it's something for them or they're not sure if it's for them but i'm very blessed thank you and honored to have been on this podcast and it's awesome so I love it. I, I look forward to actually doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll definitely put that code in there, natural health in the show notes. So they'll be able to use it up and hopefully they jump on that 15 minute phone call with you. But thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for dedicating your time. And remember the missing link between failure and success is your health.